0: Welcome to
1: the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast are your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses from your professional life to your emotional health.
0: You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today I am hobbling around like a penguin because Sunday was the half marathon. And I think I've decided this is going to be my last one. 10 K's are going to be my
2: new jam. I understand that. There comes a day when you're just, you're done putting your body through that or. The day is when you turn 50, apparently. (laughs) Now I'm done. <laughs> my day came a lot earlier than 50, but yeah, I get it. So I am Missy Stevens, a mom and dot, 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 writer, foster child advocate. And this week, I'm once again dealing with some crud. So I apologize for all the coughing and sniffling. We'll do my best to not let it impact the show. Well, I hope you feel better. Or... Thanks. I feel pretty decent today. Just okay. sound disgusting. <laughs> well, you look great. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs>
0: and today we are so excited to be chatting with Kara Haug. Kara is the founder and partner of Reframing Our Stories, a company dedicated to providing sexual health education, near and dear to my heart, love it, resources, tools for families and communities to normalize conversations around sex and relationships. Her goal is to remove shame and reframe our stories to promote openness, acceptance, and a positive sense of self. She provides education and facilitates sexuality discussions in homes, schools, churches, and with community groups domestically and abroad. She has her own podcast, which I highly recommend, Mm -hmm. called Reframing Our Stories, and also works as an adjunct professor for Antioch University. She lives in California with her
2: family and is the mother of two. Welcome! Welcome.
3: I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. We are
2: excited you are here. And we learned a little bit about you from your bio, but we were hoping you could give us a bit more, Kara 101, about where you started and how you ended up here today with your current focus.
3: Well, whenever I tell people about my story, I'm like, if you would have asked me if I was going to be a sexual health educator, I would have been like, that's far from anything I would do. <laughs> but here we are, right? So, yeah, I stumbled upon this journey because I have spent a lot of time working with youth and family throughout my entire life. It's always been a passion of mine. So I even from when I was 18, I was working as like a counselor in day camps and stuff for kids and things like that. I was a camp counselor and a program director for a camp. So it's like all these things. But really, it was my time working as a youth and family minister. And then as a foster home licensor. When I was a youth and family minister, I mean like the moment these kids gained my trust, they were, they would say, Kara, what do you think about sex? And so then I would say, what do you think about sex? <laughs> because mm-hmm. I often, my rule was I wouldn't tell them what I thought about sex until I let their parents know what I would say to them.
0: Mm-hmm, and right. so I
3: would just guide them with other questions to see like, what are they really asking? But yeah. what I have found is that, i was working predominantly with a very high income demographic who lived in an urban area Mm -hmm. and just experienced a lot of life these kids and Mm -hmm. their parents were also coming to me asking me a ton of questions around sex and i was like this is interesting but before then when i was in seminary i was trying to become something called a diaconal minister in the lutheran church and it, I took a seminary class called Sex and Sensibility that rocked my world. And we had to write a paper about our experiences growing up, how we learned about sex and all of these things, which was very personal. But also it was the best exercise I've ever done. And Oh, interesting. Learned And so you wouldn't much. think about that in a church. No, right? No. But this, his name is Gary Pence and he changed my life because... He was also a psychologist and he was a pastor, but I mean, his whole philosophy was in order for you to minister to people, you have to understand your sexuality. And I was like, that's like brilliant. You know, you like to understand fully how you feel about certain issues or who you are as a sexual person, because we often leave that part of us aside, especially in church, right? We're like, oh, those things don't go together, but when in fact they are so enmeshed (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's part of the intersectionality of sexuality. And so I learned so much about myself and that was the beginning of my journey of really starting to study sex. It just really changed my life.
0: And I think it's especially fascinating just because um, I do advocacy work for LGBTQ
3: kiddos mm-hmm.
0: and families. And I think we're so trained to think that this gender heterosexual is the norm. And like, if you're that, you never have to think about your sexuality. We only right. have to really, really focus on sexuality when it's someone other than that. And then it's right. like the only thing anybody can think about and try to control
2: and legislate and all these things. So right. I think that's like, so up in the church and if everything else was deviant right there, there was cis what we were told was normal sexual yes, relationships yeah right like i'm you doing air quotes for people listening but that's what we were told anything else was deviant and not to be discussed and i think it's so great to know that now they're teaching something different yeah. and that you are well, learning about it well and
3: even if you are cis and hetero as you even think about sex it's oh, right creepy. yes Yeah. Right. Like that was the message. Like our bodies are not telling. Like don't listen to your body. Don't feel the sensations of your body. It's
2: very shameful.
3: Only in like that bedroom experience when Mm -hmm. (laughs) the time has been allowed it for you to feel that way. Right. Right. Like that's so many of the messages we had. Uh So I, for me, it was just so eye opening, and it actually gave me permission to start exploring my own sexuality in the essence of me just wondering who really I am as a female who's been told throughout her entire life, you are only worthy if you meet these guidelines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, part of that is being good. And by being good, that also means not using your voice. And that also means meeting a certain body type. That also means the expectations that were set for me was that I was to get married and to be happy as a wife and that that was it like (laughs) you know my mom was a professional person too but i feel like the resounding message like in comparison to my older brothers who had to be successful who had to make sure they found their job was you're going to be the you know a wife and be happy and if you go into this other path cool but it wasn't emphasized right in the expectations around schoolwork and it was like do your best You know, so those were some of the things I started to recognize of, oh, these are the messages we are like receiving gender, like all the gender roles that is such a narrow view of humanity. And these are the things that we start to live into. And then because we are always told to not listen to our body, then we actually are being told not to trust our body, which can then also put us into harm's way when our gut instinct is telling us something is wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? So then there's like so many other things that are problematic just from that alone. And so like the moment I started learning about that, I was like, holy moly. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it was like, (laughs) and now we're going to, you know, start peeling back the layers upon layers upon layers of why we make the decisions we make, why we are human. And how all this messaging has decided a future for us that maybe should not have been our future oh, you know yeah
2: yes. i mean i don't know that i was prepared to come in here today and feel <laughs> all the things i'm feeling right now. i know <laughs> oh, oh boy just take a deep breath <laughs> Okay,
0: so again, it's, I, I'm the well, not again when I've not said this, but I'll probably say this several times for the show. I'm the nuts and bolts girl, so I like to know like nitty gritty, like how how yeah. you got from step to step to step. So yeah, you, sorry, you I know went I got and, on a tangent. Oh okay. no, I I also love no. tangents, and I think I caused <laughs> about three of them already. So
3: yeah, but okay, so
0: you did this assignment, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and then it was
3: the time in my youth ministry, uh huh, and then when my so my husband is a pastor, and we moved. And in that time period I had some kids and then I worked as a foster home licensor in a different part of the country. And as you know, a lot of kids in foster care experience sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I witnessed through working in a very wealthy demographic to also moving to a demographic that was very different within foster care and things like this and going into many different kinds of homes all over and seeing the cycles that happen, especially around abuse, mm. I was like, we in America are doing the biggest disservice for one another because here is like this demographic over here who has lots of knowledge in terms of, um, has been given many things, right? Many opportunities, but still knows very little about their body and relationships and how to be with one another and experience pressures that go beyond what they're ready for. And then we have this demographic too, all different kinds of demographics, but also the ones who have been really abused and who are given messages. Some of these kids were going into conservative Christian homes where all you hear is sex is bad and it's a sin if you have it before marriage. Well, these kids, some of them experienced sex. Yeah. And cognitively, they didn't understand the difference of the sex they had experienced in hearing sex before marriage is bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
3: So all they hear is, I am bad. Yeah. And so that's all they hear. And I was like, I am not okay with this. I am not okay to see these cycles of abuse continuing because all they're hearing is they are bad. Mm -hmm. instead of providing education and therapy and things of how to stop this. And so I'm like, I can no longer allow this to happen. (laughs) I will help change this somehow. (laughs) And so that's when at age 32, I went back to school to the University of Michigan. They have a wonderful program to get a certificate in sexual health education and counseling. And then from there... I did um, ASECT, which is American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists, training and continue my education because human sexuality changes every day. Yes, right.
0: Oh, my gosh. And as someone, me, who starts the podcast every week stating that I am a sex ed advocate, sometimes I feel like, actually, I, I have had the instance where a friend of my daughter's parents wouldn't let them come to my house I really felt like if you ever see that TV show Sex Education, yeah. where the the mom is so over the top, and you know she's got these sex toys everywhere, and like, uh, you know all these books. I feel like when I say that I am a sex ed advocate, that people they just focus so much on the sex, and the same thing with sex right. education. But your
2: living room is full of like it's just like
0: sex <laughs> sex sex that's all we talk about and you know it's not candles and- <laughs> on the mantle there's still
2: those <laughs>
0: and <laughs> yes and as you've already heard you know from the show everything that you've talked about as being a sex educator Uh, it's so little of it has to do with sex and there's no reason it shouldn't have to do with sex. There's nothing bad with that, but there's just such a small piece of the importance of a comprehensive sex education program. So uh, you've talked about a lot of it already. It's just like trusting your body, knowing your body, being able to listen to it, respecting that about other people and being able to make healthy decisions around that and knowing that you are not, Bad if things are done to you against right. your will. So I can't stress enough how important it is to have comprehensive sex education in school. We have run into an issue in our school district. Well, actually, in our whole dang state, uh-huh, um, our uh-huh. school district just passed for the first time in ever comprehensive sex education. Like we've been fighting for it for almost six years now. Well, I've been fighting for almost six years. There were people way before me who were also fighting for for it. But the state has now made it so that you have to opt in to sex education instead of opting out, which when we talk about foster kids or we talk the kids who are actually being abused within their household... Is oh, just yes. terrifying to me, and I, terrifying. and and I don't mm-hmm. think people who are just like you know your upper middle class parents who are like oh well, of course I can sign this form and I'll send it in what well, you know what's the big deal I don't think they understand first of all how critical this education is to those particular groups as much as they are for everybody they're critical critical for these kiddos and how dangerous that is and how they can slip through the cracks by making those rules so yeah uh, anything that you can do to help arm me with even more information (laughs) to tell people why it's so important
3: well and what you just spoke to like i often get in conversations even with really close friends of mine who are like well i'd rather teach my kids my own values and understanding around this and i'm like okay that's fine you can do that but also remember there's many kids out there who are not having the conversations that you might be having with your children and are just being left to try to figure this out and even so regardless of that there's even families who say i want to teach my own kids my own values and things that's great yes we need to help kids learn their values but are you actually having those conversations yeah. Are right. you understanding some of it? Because here's the thing. We have not, adults have not been educated. Mm-hmm. We haven't, sure. we've grown up with the worst, <laughs> mostly the worst sex education. And so what I constantly find is that before I educate youth, I educate the parents
0: mm-hmm. because
3: the parents are the ones who need the deconstruction or the dispelling of the myths. And, you know, oftentimes when I have done workshops, I always tell people, I go in and like people's shoulders are up high and things Mm -hmm. like this. And then I come in and I start talking about some of the stuff of like, because half the time, why we don't talk about these things is because everyone carries around their own guilt and shame, Uh which we haven't addressed. So it's actually trauma
0: and shame
3: that keeps us from moving forward. When in reality, we have to learn how to address those things so that then our kids don't experience those things and so we got to do the work ourselves and be willing to say like i always say to parents i'm like think about how your life would have been different if someone had said to you i want you to have the best relationships that you can have Mm -hmm. and so in order for the for you to have these really good relationships we're going to have some awkward conversations we're going to learn about our bodies i'm going to teach you about ways to have open communication with people even when it's really hard i'm going to help you figure out your values and boundaries around what kind of things you want to make known on the worldwide web (laughs) that you are interacting (laughs) with every day and on social media i want to help you understand your boundaries i want to help you understand who feels safe to you and who doesn't Mm -hmm. and i'm like how would your life have been different If someone took the time and said these things to you. Well, that
0: is interesting that you mentioned that because that is one of the number one things that people are pushing back on comprehensive sex ed about is because there are lessons about trusting yourself and who you feel safe with and trusted adults or trusted people that you can talk to about things if maybe you're not ready to talk to your parents about. And people are up in arms with the idea that their kid might go talk to a teacher or a friend's parent or something instead of coming to them. And so they would rather have their kids suffer in silence and talk to no one.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So here's
3: what I would say to these parents. (laughs) I would say this. First of all, I teach parents to create a tribe for their kids. Mm -hmm. Because I say to them, ask your kids who they feel safe with. Get their names Ask the parent or whoever that is that the kid wants to be their safe and trusted adult. Talk to them to see if they could have their phone number or whatever. For if there's a moment, if there's anything that happens that they feel like they can't come to you, mm-hmm. they can go to that person. And here's why I say that. When I teach high schoolers and junior high kids and I say, if you get in trouble for X, Y, and Z, are you going to go to your parent? Like, who do you want to go to talk to? And they said, well, not my parents. Mm -hmm. And I say, why why wouldn't you go to your parents or caregivers? Well, what is the number one thing we don't want to do for our parents and caregivers?
0: Disappoint them.
3: We don't want to disappoint them. And so if we have made a choice that maybe would disappoint them, but we need help and we're in trouble, the last thing we want to do is reach for our parents who we feel will be disappointed. So why don't we equip our kids to then say, Call out this other person who will just care for you. And then they say that they would want that person to reveal the information to their parents. This is what kids actually want. Yeah. This is what makes them feel safe. So why are we pushing back and what our kids are telling us would make them feel safe? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, that's such a great way of looking at it. And maybe... Trying to use logic to have these conversations with some people that just don't want to hear it can feel like banging your head against a wall. But I think maybe that is an interesting way of saying it like, okay, these lessons are important to have in school. If you feel like you're losing some control of your kid by doing this, like have that conversation ahead of time. So that when they're having this lesson in school, they already have this list of people that have, you know, Mm -hmm. been pre-approved by you, if that's the case that needs to be here.
3: And so, and one of the things, for instance, when I talk to kids and I tell them, I'm like, I want you to think of people who might be safe for you. I'm like, what is a trusted adult? You know, what does that mean? And for instance, when I teach like fifth and sixth graders this, some kids are like, well, it's your parents. And I go, well, for some, Mm -hmm. for some it's their parents and for some it may not be. So then I go, for some, it could be a social worker. For some, it could be their neighbor. For some, it could be their grandparents, you know. So I try to help even kids in the classroom recognize, like, your trusted adult is going to look different than your friend's trusted adult, Mm -hmm. and that is okay. Yeah. Other things that we explain, for instance, like with that, and uh, talking about, like, consent, For one, like I tell the kids. Oh, that
0: got totally written out of Texas curriculum. Mm -hmm. They removed consent (laughs) because it gave kids the right to Uh (laughs) uh,
2: decide what they thought was pleasurable.
0: Oh my God. That's how they defined it. That's
2: how they defined it. It, For those not watching, Kara's head has exploded. Yeah.
3: It is
0: now in our Austin ISD lessons because they were like, that's bullshit. Okay. And get rid of that. But the word has been stricken from um, bananas.
3: Yeah. I just like that brings up for me rage <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Just say that. And the reason is I have a whole workshop I do on the complexities of consent. Because here's here's why, right? We always say it's just a yes or a no. But I tell people, I'm like, it's how you get to that yes or no. So I do this whole thing where I'm like, I'm going to say some phrases to you. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see how it feels in your body, right? Mm. Always ask people to be aware of their body. And then I say things like, don't say no to me. And then I say things like, no, I will not do this for you. Or you can't do this unless you do this, right? Some of these phrases we hear in our own homes growing up. Mm -hmm. Don't say no to me is something we say to kids sometimes in our own homes. Mm -hmm. So then I talk about you know, that whole aspects of of agency and autonomy and learning how to give kids choices, right? And then I say to them, I'm like, when we get to a position where we need to say no, our body remembers when we have tried to say no to a caregiver, and then we hear these comments. And Mm -hmm. so trying to say no feels really hard. And sometimes we're not able to. And then I also talk about how part of no... And part of consent is disappointment. And we are not taught to disappoint people. We are taught to follow the rules. We are taught to be obedient and different things like this. And so one of the things I talk to kids about is you're going to get said no to. And when we are said no to, that means we wanted something and it's not going to happen the way we wanted to. So we're going to feel disappointment and we're going to have hurt feelings. And I was like, so guess what you get to do in that situation? And they're like, what? I go, you get to learn how to deal with hard feelings.
0: And Mm -hmm. that is the point that people miss about consent. They focus so much on like, oh, it's permission for our children to experience pleasure. They said, instead of consent, we're going to do refusal skills. I was like, well, you know who refusal skills doesn't help? The person who is pressuring someone to say Yes. Yeah. That's, you're only Ugh. helping someone refuse. And I you just nailed exactly the point of what is so important about consent is being on the receiving end of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, all parts of it are important, but right. that's the part that the idea of refusal skills totally misses is right. getting used to the idea of dealing with your disappointment.
3: Yes. Yeah. Which And I tell parents when I do parent workshops all the time, I said, here are some of the things I want you to focus on in sexual health education. Because sexuality is huge. Everyone just thinks it's sex. Everyone thinks it's just gender identity. And everyone thinks it's just orientation. I'm here to tell you it's so much more than that, right? It's how we feel about our self-worth. It's how we feel about our body image. It's the relationships we grew up with and learned about attachment. It is how... We experience touch. It is learning about our boundaries, our emotional well-being. All of that has to do with our sexuality. And so I tell parents, I go, if you are not teaching your kids how to deal with disappointment or how to deal with hard feelings and rejection, Mm -hmm. you better start doing that right now. Because Mm -hmm. the number one thing when I talk to high schoolers or different things is they want to know I am not getting the sex questions from them. I am primarily getting, when will I stop feeling bad? How can I improve my self-esteem? I don't know how to deal with rejection at all. How do we do that? And I don't know how to have hard conversations. Wow. So our obsession with focusing on the sexual act is disintegrating all the skills that we should be helping our kids with in order to form healthy relationships with anybody especially themselves
2: so when you're talking to parents do you give them certain exercises are there books you recommend like how do you Uh, go about helping them unravel all of this Mm -hmm. especially those of us who may have grown up in the church who have a lot of stuff going on here
3: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the times we, I do like, (laughs) I'm one of those people who's like, let's do all the learning styles, right? So (laughs) I have movie clips. I have scenarios. We do a lot of deconstruction too. Like, let's think about some of the messaging we received, right? And that we thought was okay. And what have we learned now as adults? I do a lot of like, what is it that you actually want for your child? You know, Mm -hmm. instead of, as an entrepreneur myself you know we always have like these goal settings and i'm like and that might sound weird to have a goal like that with your kids but i want you to think about how is it that you actually want your child to feel what do you hope that they get to experience and what would that look like i'm like i'm not asking you to say who you want your child to be because they're going to be who they are i'm asking you how you want them to feel and what you want them to experience in relationships. And then by writing that out, that's going to give you a guide or an understanding of the conversations you need to have with them to get them to experience those things. Because there's a yeah. lot of things that we have to do then to build that foundation for our kids. And right. I think a lot of the times we ourselves didn't get those things. Some of us did. A lot of us didn't. And so we're learning how to reparent ourselves now, right? Or we're learning how to recognize that so much of the scripts and ideals we've been given has harmed us. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to reframe all the time. And I think part of parenting is being able to say, I don't know. I'm going to try. I'm going to make mistakes. And I always tell parents, learning to say, I'm sorry, is the best thing you can do. Yeah. If you get stumbled on a conversation that you wish it didn't went differently, go back and say, I'm sorry, I overreacted, or that's not how I wanted to say this. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. This is actually what I wanted to say. You know, I give parents like, I'm like, we're going to make mistakes because we don't know what we're doing.
1: (laughs) And parenting
3: is the hardest thing. And the other thing that we don't talk about is that our kids can trigger us more than anybody else. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's going to trigger the crap that we went through and then we're like, yes. okay. Oh, I thought I dealt with that. Guess not." <laughs> you know, oh it's
2: so God. weird to <laughs> love people so completely and also be triggered by them. Like, I was not really prepared for that as a mom. No. no. And no. It's it brings up your own stuff. It's just it's so to me it's been really eye-opening and I've been parenting for almost 17 years now. But yeah, they are really triggering creatures, those kids. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: I mean, and that's some of the stuff we don't talk about,
2: right? That's right.
3: Like, oh, by the way, these little things that you think are wonderful and darling and came from you, they're going to be your biggest trigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just be prepared.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. yeah. Okay. So now I'm oh. just
0: curious in addition to some of those conversations and the dialogues, are, are there some ways we can also be modeling? Positivity, uh, just in the things that we do in our
3: daily lives. I think (laughs) this is like the hardest part, right? Because really kids learn by modeling. They learn from what they are watching us do. When I asked a group of like 100 college students what affected their sexuality the most, the three largest things that came up from it was parents not saying anything to them about sex, the church saying that sex is a sin in pornography, and mm-hmm. so kids will pick up on everything you don't say Uh-huh. and kids will watch the way you act and they will learn from those. So I always say we continuously have to learn ourselves. We're going to be doing our own healing and we're going to make mistakes. But I think we just continue to fight for what's good for us, too. You know, we deserve healthy relationships. We deserve to feel cared for. And so we need to show our kids that we deserve that. We need to learn how to love ourselves and our bodies, right? Because we've grown up being told to hate our bodies. And so kids hear us say that. I'm totally guilty of that myself and constantly am trying to reframe things. One of the things I think is kind of beautiful is, you know, I grew up a dancer and so my body no longer resembles a dancer's body. And I have this belly that just just really likes to hang around (laughs) and sometimes i comment on it and i try not to but what's kind of beautiful is you know my youngest child my son has said mom wear that belly like a trophy
0: oh and i was like sweet
1: baby
3: i was like what (laughs) you know he's like we came from there like that's amazing. Wear it like a trophy. And I was like, dang right, I'm going to wear this like a trophy. (laughs) (laughs) I love love that. That That makes me think
2: of it so differently because I grew up fairly, well, in an athletic athlete, but I was always doing stuff and I was really fit and I'm not anymore for a variety of reasons. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to look at my body and it's such a different body than Mm -hmm. what I started with.
3: Yeah. And like the kids love our bodies, you know, like that's what I've been reframing so much too. I'm sorry, I'm on another tangent, but our kids like love our bodies and who we are and how we show up for them. And I kind of feel like we can learn from them and that too. Right. Like, yeah, so
2: reframing is something we want to talk about. We really love that your podcast focuses on reframing our stories. And that helps us take control of this narrative because we're all telling ourselves a story all the time. But I think that some people, and I think I've been guilty of this myself, confuse reframing with using toxic positivity to just avoid the truth. So instead of facing it, we're going to reframe it. (laughs) Um, So can you help us distinguish between the two and explain what the difference is there? Well, I'm just be honest, there's nothing about me that's toxic, positive
3: <laughs> 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 Actually, sometimes Aaron being more of a pessimist and <laughs> I am positive. Yeah. But for me, reframing our stories is just the fact that, I mean, really, we have been given centuries of shame, just that's been passed on generation to generation to generation. Really? And I really feel like part of the reframing process is learning how to wonder. Mm. It's learning how to step into curiosity. And it's leaning towards compassion before judgment. And so that is where I hope we can start. And then recognizing, not being afraid to say, I don't know. Yeah. Um, looking at how our life uh, started or the th- messages we were given and saying, and questioning where does that ring true to me is that accurate based on my interactions with people and learning Mm -hmm. people's stories like storytelling to me is the best way that we can learn and unlearn and so like my partner and i are starting to create more reframing our stories like storytelling experiences Mm -hmm. locally because that's very cool i just think it's interesting right like people when we hear a person's story and when we create a nourishing space for that, then we're able to learn, I think, from one another. And there's too much where I think in our world that we are set up to compete and compare and find the difference where then we can't find a commonality. We're mm-hmm. really like the same in many ways. And For me, like I've recognized in this work, and when I just did like the speaking engagements where I said why I became a sex educator is because I wanted to get to the root of the question from what people are asking me about all their sexuality questions. And the root of everyone's question is, am I enough? Mm. Am I okay? Am I love? Am I deserved? You know, everyone feels this way. We are all asking those questions, and if we can start approaching each other from looking at one another in that way, our lives would be different. And that's why like, I became a sex educator, because I'm like, if I can start helping people just create a space for one another in that way, I believe the more I learn about human sexuality, one, I think I've become a better Christian. It's changed the way I view people I offer more forgiveness and I just I mean overall I think it I think it could change our world I'm not telling you it's not gonna be easy because when we start learning and unpacking we go through a transition and we get transformed Mm -hmm. and it can also be really hard yeah and I think we are afraid of hard
0: yeah You're so much more eloquent in your explanation of why. I mean, I say it all the time, like sex will change the world. It will change the world because kids, who, well, adults obviously need it too. (laughs) But if we start with when they're younger, the essence of it is, yes, just knowing that I'm enough, Mm -hmm. I'm good, I'm worthy of feeling good about myself, and I'm worthy of insisting that others. Yeah treat me well and yeah. treat me with respect and love and that i need to do the same for others i'm like how how can that be wrong i oh, mean i know
3: oh I my know. gosh and it, yeah. i mean the thing is what holds people back is fear right mm-hmm. and because i i think what holds people back is just like a lack of understanding and because some people's stories have been so filled with harm mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trauma that how could there be anything?
0: Else? Yeah, right. And, and I've tried to remember that because some of the people that I feel like are the the people that are my nemesis and that I'm you know fighting <laughs> against in this battle. But a part of me I'm like, I get so filled with rage. But then part of me wants to just go hug them, and be like, you must be so hurt. Like, yeah, something in you must hurt so bad.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So often the angriest and loudest among us are the ones in most pain yeah
3: yeah and that so that's why like i've always just wanted to again like you have said like pull up and be like what would help us have a conversation together where we can bypass some of this and just like talk about the realness of it you know right because i mean i was um i got to experience something through linda k klein wrote this book called pure and she would have these like break free dinners and things like that and where people just talked about sexuality. And I was at one of those, and I remember a woman saying, there's been nothing pleasurable about sex for me. Mm. It's always hurt. It's always been taken away from me. She was abused from a young age. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard, you know, we're dealing with, again, that trauma that people have experienced. But if we can help them realize, like, if people had been supporting you, if you had had this knowledge, maybe things would have been different. And that's why to me, like when I do workshops and stuff, I meet people where they are at, like emotionally. Mm -hmm. Let's just start from the beginning and let's talk, you know, about fears. Let's talk about this. And then when they start realizing what comprehensive sex ed actually looks like, they're like, oh, like when I do my lesson plans, It's looking at how is it that we mostly treat people? Yeah. How are we supposed to be treated? How do we care for our bodies? How do we learn where we don't like touch? Like, you know, body mapping and stuff even. Like, where's Uh your red spots? Like, I don't like maybe my neck touched or, you know, Mm -hmm. different. Like, just building the awareness for individuals to have so that when they go into relationships, they can learn how to communicate that. And now today with emojis, <laughs> you know, I told
1: kids <laughs> yeah.
3: I was like, I'm just gonna say no emoji is going to say all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> so then we give scenarios and I was like, we're gonna act out how to do this. Your friend and you are in a situation. What part of the healthy relationship components has been jeopardized?
1: Mm-hmm. And then
3: how would you work through this? So it's build it's like relationship skills.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm- Fortunately, right. there's a lot of misinformation about, uh-huh. I think that they're actually think that you're teaching them the the sex skills and not the relationships. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they yeah. literally will go to school board meetings and say that they are teaching kids how to have oral and anal sex. They literally will say this in front of people. And so I really hope that there's some unlearning that there. gym
3: class? Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> But no, there's some unlearning that has to happen. There's some taking the time to actually look at the reality of what the lessons are and to understand what's really happening and that the idea is working through the, the healthy relationships and being yeah. able to communicate and having this. I mean, it's, you're even safer when you have that ownership over your body. I mean, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's the, the best position, I think, that someone who would usually be in a vulnerable position could possibly be in to know that they have the right to say yes
2: or no. I mean, learning to use your voice is beneficial in your whole life. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's not something we should be afraid of teaching our children or relearning ourselves. If we have to, I think there's also
3: some sense of being naive. Like they
2: say like, well, they're
3: teaching my kids how to have sex or whatever they're probably not talking about how to have safe sex, <laughs> right? Like how to, you know, that's part of the lessons, like in high school, at least that has to happen in California is you have to show contraceptives and you mm-hmm. have to talk about how they're used, mm-hmm. which I'm going to tell you, that's great because your kids are already watching how to do this on porn mm-hmm. where they are not shown any of those things. Yeah. And I tell parents all the time, right, Too. What we see and watch is what will start building our erotic template is what's going to help build this scaffolding of telling us what is normal Mm -hmm. and what we're supposed to be doing. And so if your child has a cell phone, I'm telling you, they probably have seen porn. And so do you want a professional who knows and has studied this to answer their questions accurately or do you want tiktok accounts that are not always accurate or the pornography to answer the questions for them? yeah right because that's what's happening
0: or add the layers of shame that comes from us just automatically being like don't get rid of that when taking your phone away right. you know instead right. of right. answering the actual questions that led them there in the first place Right. right, right. exactly Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of reframing, I hope that you have reframed the idea of sex education for so many people, both for yes. the adult selves and for the kids that they are raising. And so I'm, I'm just really excited that we had an opportunity. I think it was, it was Tammy Hackbarth, I think that put us in contact, or at yeah. least she, she let me know about yeah. you. And was like, you yeah, cause she knows how into sex ed I am. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, you got to meet Kara.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm so it's glad she, connection.
0: I'm so glad she did that. And then it'll be really nice because your little episodes are going to be right next to each other. Oh, and yeah, our- <laughs> <we laughs> Podcast neighbors
2: in our feed. Uh-huh. Uh, tell the rest of our, tell our listeners who are not Tammy and don't know where to find you, where to find you.
3: My business is reframing our stories. And so my website is refor- reframing our And it's also reframing our stories on Instagram and Facebook. And we have a podcast uh that has a lot of actually sexuality and spirituality on um, there of deconstructing and people talking about that among other topics. So yeah, that's great. awesome. Terrific.
0: I feel like we've just scratched the surface, but I <laughs> <laughs> right? but it was a very There's important There's So many scratch. layers. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're gonna take a just a U-turn, go right to the look, listen learn. So things yeah. are totally not life-changing but for anybody who is a new listener welcome we're so glad you're here and at the end of each show we spend a couple minutes talking about things that we are looking listening or learning about and some of them can be really silly some can be serious and you can answer one or you can do all three but we don't want to put you in the hot seat so we're going to let missy start things off this week what do you what do you look listening? All right, Missy.
2: Um, I'm doing more looking than listening. So we've been watching Shrinking. Oh my um, god, I love that
0: show! I just started it watching it on
2: Hulu that? or no Apple TV. Yeah, it's Ooh. so good. I really was resistant to watching it. I don't know why, but I have loved it. It's um, so good. It's so good, and my son's been watching it with us, and it has a lot. Like it brings up a lot of good conversations to have. Mm-hmm. Like he's about to go out into the world and be a grown up, and it's like let's. Talk about these things. So I have loved that. And then I watched by myself, Look Both Ways, which is just a silly little Netflix movie. But it's the sliding doors concept. And oh, a girl finds it. out at college graduation that she's, well, you open with her taking a pregnancy test. And one way, she's not pregnant. And one way, she is. Oh, and my god! And what gosh. happens That's in her life. Amazing. Um. So it really, it was cute. It was just easy to watch and cute. And some of it was filmed in Austin, which was also fun. Oh, Ooh yeah and then my learn is something i sort of knew before but i've been really resistant so do y'all do y- did y'all see my big frack i can't talk my big fat greek wedding have y'all do y'all know the i movie? have not I, mean, see seen it. Seen it. I, okay. I am aware of the general ideas of okay it. so in the movie the father gus like his cure-all for everything is windex like <laughs> if you have a spot on your skin you spray windex on it like windex everything's windex well my mother's windex is Manuka honey and Vicks. Those are her two indexes. Like no matter what ails you, you can put Manuka honey or Vicks on it and you're healed. (laughs) But I will say this crud that I keep getting lands in my throat and stays there. And I finally gave up and started following her Manuka honey directions. And I'm not kidding. My sore throat was gone in in under 24 hours. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I mean, I still have all the crud in there, but I'm not dealing with the pain. So I'm like, I don't like it. It's gross, I think. But, um, like, Does it I'm taste eating... like honey,
1: honey?
2: Yeah, it's a little thicker. Okay. It's kind of, I don't love the texture. So, I mean, I'll take a spoonful, swallow it. It's like medicine to me. Uh-huh. Um, But I, I put it in my tea and it tastes just fine. So I have been like, mainlining tea and manuka honey <laughs> and putting it in my throat. And, I mean, she's done, I mean, years ago, I can't remember what it was that was on my child's foot. A bug bite or something funky. He was at her house. She put manuka honey on it. And a Band-Aid. And yeah. then when I went to pick him up, she sent me home with a baggie of manuka honey. <laughs> and so, like, my kids are big believers in it, too. And I've always just sort of been like, okay, okay. Okay. I mean, whatever. It's honey. But I don't know. Check it out. There's my jar says it's <laughs> nature, something backed by science. I don't know. Go check it out. You do your what? own reading. I but will believe it. Writing like, that Honey down.
0: is incredible. <laughs> it doesn't expire. It doesn't expire. What's you in can... that stuff? No. I mean, you can yeah. eat honey that has been around
2: since like ancient Egyptian days. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, it's weird. So,
2: yeah. yeah it, so it, it will now be my Windex that I will put on and in everything because I guess it is as magic as my mother told me. <laughs> Listen to your mothers, people. Listen to your mothers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What about you, Kara? So I've been
3: re or looking, right? Looking. I've been reading a lot of um poetry books and I meant to remember some of them. You can always send us the name and we'll put it in the show notes. I will send you the names because they're really good. Uh, Because I'm going to be leading this women's retreat and doing writing. And so we're going to, like, so much inspiration has been happening from other wise women. Um, Yes. Then I've been listening to an audiobook called um, Reclaiming Body Trust." And I'm telling you, everyone needs to listen to this book or read it because it is changing my life. So it's it's excellent.
2: Okay. Putting that on the list.
3: And then learning. I've been going to something called Clay Lab, where I guess I play with clay. And I'm doing it because I learned I had ADHD uh, recently and it's been a journey, but I, for most of my life, like if I'm not perfect at something, I would quit. Right. And so clay is teaching me to live in the imperfect and Um, to just enjoy the journey. And it's it's been wonderful. And it's been the most stress-free experience for me, even though I'm like, I'm terrible. I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) keep going. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you take that at?
0: at? Is it like a community college or a? Is this no?
3: So it's called Verge Center for the Arts here in Sacramento, and they just have it on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and like families go in together, and there's all these, and there's like people who are brilliant artists, and then there's other people making just (laughs) portable pinch pots, and we're like, yay!
2: Oh, I'm gonna look and see if there's something like that in Austin. There's I gotta just... be. The oh, Laguna for sure.
0: Gloria. I sign Zoe yeah. up for a gazillion summer classes every year, and like, why have I never signed myself up? They have adult classes. There's gotta yeah,
3: be something in there. I can do. It's so fun. I highly recommend. <laughs>
2: I have the same perfectionist tendency where mm-hmm. if I'm not good at it, then I I quit mm-hmm. and it's so frustrating and I'm not yeah. good at a lot of things. <laughs> Most things Me require too. some practice. <laughs>
0: so. I'm the same. <laughs> I'm not yeah. good at a lot of things. <laughs> that sounds like an accomplishment, the way
2: you say it, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I've I've learned a lot of things that I'm not good at. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Right. What about you, Suzanne?
0: What are you up to? Okay. My look, I, ugh, I almost forgot to go pick up my son at his friend's house yesterday because I really went down the rabbit holes looking at microwaves because mm-hmm. ours. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't even blow up the last microwave we had like blew up in a spectacular fashion so I'm glad this one was just like I'm just not going to heat things but I'm not going to scare the crap out of you by blowing up so I have to go get another one but the thing about microwaves because it's going goes into a cabinet but it's not an inset microwave so it's not designed uh-huh. to be stuck in there like it needs air to go around right. it and then it needs one of those frames and of course it's just close enough it's underneath our kitchen island and the, mm-hmm. and it butts up to the top of the island so all the frames that are out there that go around like the trim kits for microwaves are too big so to find the perfect yeah. measurement that can fit in there that has the trim kit and i i don't think we're ever going to have another
2: microwave and i thought well you can't just well, buy the same one it doesn't i wanted to
0: do that but the only ones yeah. that are available are used ones on amazon which i don't trust yeah. To yeah. i don't know i don't know. So. I really think it's going to be the rest of my day. I think I found a guy <laughs> on the internet that does custom trims. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I need to just start with a microwave that fits in the hole and has some right. room for circulation and then just have this dude do it. Yeah. It makes me so mad. The trim costs more than the microwave. Yep. It's so bonkers. But anyway, mm-hmm. so that's my look. I'm looking at microwaves. <laughs> <It's> super <laughs> exciting. And my learn and my listen are related because I learned that if you're going to be running for over two and a half hours, that you should make a running playlist with more than six songs. (laughs) I, because I usually listen to books when I run.
2: Oh, uh and so
0: and I just got a new book for one of my book clubs I was like I'm gonna read I'll listen to this book but I made this little list because the first three miles of the Austin half marathon and marathon are straight uphill three miles uphill so I was like I just so I made myself a little uphill play mix whatever and I got uphill and then I was like well that was pretty good I'm gonna I'm just gonna play it one more time till I get to a place where I can pull over and get resettled and then I turned my book on and it just I think I do better when I'm listening to a book that I'm already into then I can run with it but I was starting fresh and Mm -hmm. I just I caught myself like a half mile later being like I don't remember a single thing anybody Uh just said in this book so I was like I guess I'm just gonna listen to this playlist I made like 18 times so I'll I'll post it for y'all in the show notes so you can enjoy all day long. You can also songs. listen to
2: it all day long. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. That I told my daughter, cause she has like an hour and a half playlist that she was complaining. She's like, oh, I'm gonna have to repeat some songs. I was like, you want to know about repeating some songs? <laughs> it was so bad. That's awesome. So bad. So yeah, I ended on a real high note for that half marathon. <laughs> But yes, so that is what I've been looking, learning, and listening. Awesome. Or learn. <laughs> I'm never gonna say that right.
2: Look, listen, learning. There
0: you go. Oh my gosh! Oh, well, I told you Cara, we we're gonna I keep think... you this many minutes over. I know, <laughs> and I think by. we could
2: keep you two, three more hours easily. <laughs> like there's so much to unpack there. Yes. Um, so we'll send our listeners to find you, and um, it's be it's great information. So, so I appreciate the work important. you're doing in the world.
3: Can I say one last thing? Yes. Oh, <laughs> The basic reason why I became a sex educator is because I don't want people to hurt anymore. Yes. And it's because we all carry around so much shame that yep. none of us really need to hold on. Yes. And yeah. so that's the main reason. And if people can start learning more about that, then their world would like open up and maybe they'd be a little more open to understanding the yep. world of comprehensive sex education.
0: Yeah. So maybe that's the ask for the grownups who are hesitant or have the questions about whether or not they think this is something that their kids should be learning. Do the work to learn about yourself a little bit. And I bet that will open up your eyes and really help you understand how important it is for their overall mental and physical health for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love it. Love it. There's a reason that every week I start with, I am a advocate of sex education because I really do think it is going to change the world. It does matter. So thank Mm -hmm. you for helping educate. It's so important, everything that you're doing. So keep doing it. I appreciate you. you. Thanks for having
3: me on here.
1: All right. Absolutely. Have a good afternoon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.